Let me lead us in prayer. Our loving Father, we pray that you would speak to us tonight as we have a look at the Bible. We thank you, Father, that you do speak to us loudly and clearly, and we pray that you would help us to understand what it means for Jesus to be our connection. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, I think one of our lasting memories of 2020 will certainly be social distancing. Uh, Because COVID-19, we are now to be one and a half metres away from others, and we're to avoid being in a room with less than four square metres per person. And that's why you're participating in church via computer and not in person. We're practising social distancing uh, so that we can slow down the spread of this horrible virus. But when I spoke to one of you guys this week on the phone, you said to me that you wanted people to think of physical distancing rather than social distancing. Because just because we're keeping a physical distance doesn't mean that we have to have a social distance. And in fact, we actually want people to have lots and lots of not social distancing, but social connection, but not physical connection. And so this is why we're connected today via Zoom and via Facebook Live. In fact, we had our first parish council meeting during the week. There were 14 people, all of us speaking and watching our own separate devices safely from home. And I've got to say, I've done quite a lot of Facebook Live posts this last week on our own internal Facebook uh, members group and uh, on our main Jamboree Anglican page as well. So there's, there's been a fair bit of connection, even though we've not been physically connected. Uh, We must remember, therefore, that even though we might not be physically connected, we are still socially connected and can be that way. And in today's section of the Bible, we're going to hear about how Jesus is our connection. Jesus is our connection. He is the one who connects us, and through him we connect with God the Father. And because all people who trust in Jesus are on the same network, so to speak, It means that we're all connected with each other, even when we're physically distant. But all members of Jesus' social network need to follow the rules for the group, and that'll mean that we can then stay connected and enjoy the connection. And that's what we're going to be seeing today as we look at Jesus' social network, how Jesus is our connection. And so uh, to help us, I want us to have a look now at uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. It's another bit in the Bible where Jesus uses a word picture to describe himself. Two weeks ago, we saw that Jesus said, I am the bread of life, which was a word picture to describe the way that he is fulfilling, how he kind of spiritually fills our spiritual stomachs, so to speak. Last week, you can remember, we saw that Jesus is the light. And when he said, I am the light, it shows us that he leads us and that he purifies us. Well, today we are going to look at another kind of word picture, another metaphor, where Jesus talks about himself being the true grapevine. And as we do that, we'll see just how it is that he connects us to himself and also to each other. So let me read to us from John chapter 15, verses 1 to 17. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Right now you might be feeling a bit disconnected. Some of you have chosen to be in self-isolation and some of you have been forced to do that. You might be craving connection. Well, if you're not yet connected to Jesus, then tonight, let me say, be connected to Jesus. That's why you're here with us online. And tonight we're going to explore right now what it exactly means for us all. And it begins in John chapter 15, verse 1. The first sentence says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Jesus says, I'm the true grapevine. What could he possibly be saying? Well, you think of what a grapevine is like. Uh, it's, it's something that, is, that it grows and grows strong like rope. It connects things together and it can help tie things together as well. Is Jesus saying that he is the thing that connects us? Is that all that he's talking about here? Well, not exactly. To understand what he's talking about, we, we need to flick back a bit earlier on in the Bible and see what this meant in the Old Testament, which is the, the book that describes what God said and did with his people before Jesus lived. And this is what we read in the book of Isaiah in chapter 5, verse 7. It says, The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of heaven's armies. The people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. See, the vineyard refers to God's people. The vineyard is God's people. But all is not well. God's vineyard is in trouble and it needs help. Psalm 80 gives us some more important background to understand just what God's vineyard is like. It shows how God rescued his people from Egypt and planted them as a vine. Verse 8, 
You brought us from Egypt like a grapevine. You drove away the pagan nations and transplanted us into your land. You cleared the ground for us and we took root and filled the land. Our shade covered the mountains. Our branches covered the mighty cedars. We spread our branches west to the Mediterranean Sea. Our shoots spread east to the Euphrates River. But all is not well because the grapevine is under attack. The grapevine is under attack. Verse 12. But now why have you broken down our walls so that all who pass by may steal our fruit? The wild boar from the forest devours it and the wild animals feed on it. See, the fruit of the vine is being picked at by enemies and by animals. And so the psalmist prays for help from God. And he says, Come back, we beg you, O God of heaven's armies. Look down from heaven and see our plight. Take care of this grapevine that you yourself have planted. This son you have raised up for yourself, for we are chopped up and burned by our enemies. May they perish at the sight of your frown. The psalmist who wrote this bit of the Bible, he prays that God would return and that God would watch over the vine. And then he prays these particular words. And this is really important in understanding the background to what Jesus said when he says, I am the true grapevine. Verse 17, strengthen the man you love, the son of your choice. Then we will never abandon you again. Revive us so that we can call on your name once more. See, he prays that God would let his hand rest on the man at his right hand, the son of God, the son of man, the son of your choice. And when that happens, God's people would be revived, brought back to life. See, they prayed that God would restore his vine. Please, Lord, fix the vine. The vine is us and we are broken and we are needing your help. Please fix us. Repair the vine. And then with that in mind, Jesus says these words. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Jesus boldly declares to his disciples that he himself is the true vine. He is the true Israel. He is the true people of God. He is the ultimate follower of God the Father. Which means he's the guy you want to imitate. He's the one you want to model if you want to see a perfect member of the vine. But it's much, much more than that. Because Jesus himself embodies the new expression of the people of God. And all of this is really important as we read the rest of these verses today. Because Jesus is firstly talking about the specific issue that faced God's people at the time. He's talking about the way that his life and works transforms Israel into the church of Christ. And so where Jesus talks about being the true vine, he's talking He's showing that he fulfills Israel. Jesus is the true Israelite because he's the true vine. But as he talks about this, he also shows us what it means to be connected to him today. Jesus has said he's the true vine and also that his father is the gardener. But what does God, the gardener, 
do to Jesus the true vine? Well, have a look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. See, God the Father prunes the vine to keep it healthy. He cares for the vine by pruning it and cutting off the dead branches. And in a few verses' time, we'll actually see that the people of God are the branches. And so this means that God is cutting people off his vine. He's cutting people out of his kingdom, out of Israel. And the ones that he's cutting off are the ones that bear no fruit. And this seems to match up with what the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 9. In verse 6, he said, Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. And two verses later, Romans 9 verse 8, this means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. So not all of Jewish descent are the true people of God. Those who don't bear God's fruit are spiritually dead and will be cut off. But we who do bear fruit also get snipped, but for our own good. Every branch that does bear fruit gets pruned by God so it will become more fruitful. God wants us to be fruitful and so he's going to cut us back even though that might be painful. It's easy to think that when we go through tough times, it's, it's specifically because we've been sinful. And so we can easily view God sort of like a, a heavenly Santa Claus. He knows if we've been bad or good, etc., etc. We kind of review him. We, we, we look at him as though he rewards us now depending on how obedient that we've been. But we need to see God as a father who loves us and he wants us to grow up. And he wants to help us do that. It's a bit like what we read in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, how he disciplines his children. Verse 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful to write. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God disciplines us. But it's because he loves us. That's why he disciplines us. And if you're going through tough times, don't doubt that God loves you or cares for you. It might be that this tough time right now is sent by God to make you more fruitful. We as a global community are going through a really tough time right now. And it's going to impact each of us in different ways, I expect. For some of us, it'll be a nuisance. For others of us, it'll be a tragedy. And I think this is going to unfold more in the coming weeks, I expect. But whatever happens in your life, know that God is in control. Know that these troubled times are for his glory and for our good. Even though we know it's hard, in the big scheme of things, it's actually a gift. Because as we are pruned, we are further cleansed by God. Verse 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. 
See, that's the power of the word of God, the message of God. See, the Bible is not just a word that's about God, that just describes God and what he did. It's actually the way that God touches our souls today. That's why it's not enough to just show people love. We actually need to tell them about Jesus and tell them what Jesus said and how much God desperately loves them. But this word of God is the same thing that purifies people. It purifies people as their souls encounter him in that way. See, purification is something that we're seeking today, isn't it? It's kind of everywhere. We're wanting to be perfumed by Glen 20, I guess. It's a strange time. We're hoarding hand sanitizer like it's a vintage wine. We want purification, don't we? We want to be purified. But purification isn't something new. Jesus has been doing it to his people for many thousands of years as his message has gone out. And that's because the word of God purifies people's souls. The word of God purifies people's souls. But God just doesn't want us to be purified. He also wants us to be connected. Verse 4, he says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. See, Jesus calls his disciples to remain in him just as Jesus remains in them. And the reason is that if we're not plugged into Jesus, then we can't stay alive. Just like a branch that's been cut off from the vine. It dies very quickly and so will we. If we stray from following Jesus, then we will not bear his fruit. But we need to remember that Jesus' words had a special meaning for the people of Israel in particular. See, if each Jewish person didn't connect with Jesus, remembering Jesus was a Jew, of course, if each Jewish person didn't connect with him, then they would be cut from the vine. They're not connected to Jesus. They do nothing. Verse 5, Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus says, he is the vine, we are the branches, and if we stay connected to him, then we will produce much fruit. If we're not connected to Jesus, we can do nothing. Well, what is the fruit? Well, as theologian Don Carson says, he says, it's everything that is the product of effective prayer in Jesus' name. I'll say it again. The fruit is everything that is the product of of effective prayer in Jesus' name. We'll explore that a bit more in just a moment's time. Because before we get there, we get a warning. Verse 6 tells us that anyone, Jesus says, who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. This is a tough word. Jesus is saying that if his followers don't stay connected to him, then they will be thrown away and will wither and die and be burnt in the fire. It's a picture of God's judgment. It's his judgment that he brings upon those who've turned away from him. Remember this, friends. God will judge people who reject him. He's not neutral about this. He will judge people who, don't, who, who, who reject him. So you know that Jesus didn't shy away from talking about the judgment of God. And I think as I talk about what he said here, I need to make sure I don't shy away from it either. 
See, if you walk away from Jesus, then you're heading for a horrible judgment from God. If you walk away from Jesus, you're heading for judgment. And we need to take this very, very seriously. Back in February of this year, it feels like an eternity ago, we had a series in our church, four weeks, where we looked at the topic of God's glorious judgment. And we heard that it is a really good thing that God judges, a good thing that Jesus judges. But an important reminder that judgment day is not far away. And that's what we need to hear now. I have had many chats with people over this last week as I've been in shops and other places from a, a safe distance, of course. And a lot of the time I've been wearing my Jesus Is t-shirt that is the season of evangelism that we're in at the moment with our church and our Wollongong region here. But it's been quite sobering to talk to people and, and, and what I've often said to them is, this is a wake-up call. This pandemic is a wake-up call for all of us to make sure that we've got our eternal affairs in order. And as we look at this passage here from the Bible, it's a sober reminder to everyone that you, as you watch this now, need to have your eternal affairs in order as well. Because there's a time soon when Jesus will judge. He'll come to judge the living and the dead, and that includes you. But the good news is with all of this, that even though God will judge the people who reject him, there's also a carrot to it as well. And we read this in verse 7, that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Now what's he talking about there? He says that if we stay connected to him, then he'll give us what we wish. You think, you little ripper. He's talking about being like a big genie in a bottle. You know, you kind of, whatever you want, like a vending machine. You say, God, give me a cure to this disease. Beep, beep, beep. And then down it falls in the vending machine. Is that what it's saying? Well, yes, but not quite. You see, when we are connected to Jesus... What we want will be what he wants. And this is really important. When we're connected to Christ, we will want what he wants. If we have the same heart as Jesus, then we'll be praying things to Jesus that he wants too. And he will answer that prayer. And what's more, the fruit will bring his Father in heaven the glory. Verse 8. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. As we bear the fruit of Jesus, we bring glory to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you can see here, there's a connection between Jesus and the Father. And so, when we are connected, when we're plugged into Jesus, it means we are also plugged into the Father. And what connects us to Jesus and Jesus to the Father is love. Verse 9, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. See, Jesus shares with us an amazing fact. The love that we receive from Jesus... Listen, this is is very important. The love that we receive from Jesus is, is the same love with which the Father loves him. The eternal love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is now shared with his human children. God shares the eternal love of the Father, Son, and Spirit. He shares that love with us. 
you know, after I fell in love with my beautiful wife, I never imagined that I could love anyone else. That was until our first child was born and I was in love again. And that happened with my second child and my third child and even my fourth child. Where's Hugo? You see, something was bizarre then to think that my heart was full, but then there was more love for my kids. And I wonder if that's a little bit like that with God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit sharing their love with his people. This overflow of the intimate relationship of love in the universe. But how do we keep that love? Well, verse 10, we read that when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. We remain in the love of Jesus if we keep his commandments. See, Jesus remained in the love of the Father through his obedience, by obeying the Father, and the same is true for us. Jesus didn't get loved by his Father through doing good works, and that's also the same for us. But obedience is the natural reaction to receiving the wonderful love of God. You know, it'll be really easy for us to be selfish in this time of global pandemic. But now is the time for Christians to shine. We can show love at a time when others are looking after themselves. And as we show love, we will experience deep joy. Verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. It's good to be pleasure-seeking as long as you're seeking after the pleasures from the right place. Whenever we seek pleasure in the created things, we end up getting second best. They end up being idols and we're never truly satisfied. But when we seek pleasure in our creator, it is then that we get the best of the best. As we seek the joy of Jesus, we enjoy his love and we glorify the Father. We should seek pleasure in Jesus and find joy in Jesus alone. And as we seek pleasure and joy from Jesus, we will get true fulfillment. And so seek pleasure from Jesus and get true fulfillment. And you'll be living the true life that God made for you to live. And this will be a life that is full of love. Verse 12. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Jesus tells us to love each other. This is what it means to obey his commands. But what does that love look like? Verse 13. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let me read it to you again. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What does love look like? It looks like sacrifice. The most loving thing that Jesus did was to die for us so that we could be his friends. And our love for others will look like our Saviour's love for us. See, just saying, I love you, is actually not enough. 
It's not enough if it's not attached to actions. It's about sacrifice. It's about putting ourselves last and others first. And the result of this is that we will no longer be God's slaves, but be his friends. Verses 14 and 15. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. This is the intimacy that we gain with Christ because of his love shown for us on the cross. We are now treated as friends of Jesus. This is this is mind-blowing to be to have Jesus say, You are my friend. We're treated with his friends because he loves us that much. And that is what makes Christianity so starkly different to all the other religions. All religions are not the same. What other religion has its leader lay down his life for his followers while they were enemies? And do that so that we could become his friends. Jesus' love turns us from slaves to friends. It's not about submission as slaves to a master. It's friends to our friend. And it comes from him and not from us. He chose us, not the other way around. Verse 16, he says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Jesus chose us to be his friends and he chose us to be connected with his vine as branches that bear fruit. And the kind of fruit is fruit that will last, lasting fruit, fruit that lasts into eternity. You know, it's really easy at this point in time for us just to be thinking about the here and the now. How many days, how many weeks, how many months will we be in this crazy world that we live that, that has us taken away from our jobs, stood down, isolated? Uh, who would have imagined that after tonight at 11.59, you get off an international flight and you're going straight into lockdown, policed, by security into a hotel. Uh, this is an extraordinary time and we're wondering, we're just looking to the here and to the now. We can only think about surviving the next few months of this pandemic, but friends, don't waste this pandemic. This is a time for us all to think about eternity. Eternity is much bigger and longer and greater than even 6 to 12 or 18 months of COVID-19. Eternity is what really matters. And that's why we want to make fruit that will last. We want to have lasting fruit. We want life choices that will impact eternity. This is what it looks like to be connected with Jesus. This is what it looks like to be part of his vine as branches that bear real fruit. It's the way that we need to make all our decisions for eternity. Will your choice bear fruit for eternity? That is the question. Will your choice bear fruit for eternity? During lockdown, will you choose to binge on Netflix 
Or will you contact someone who's living alone? Choose to bear fruit for eternity. When you go to the supermarket, will you stockpile essentials? Or will you leave enough for others? Choose to bear fruit for eternity. When you've been laid off work or abused by customers, will you collapse into self-pity or will you use this as an opportunity to pray and share Christ's love? Choose to bear fruit for eternity. And at this time, as you reflect upon eternity, if you are not friends with Jesus yet, this is the moment for you to stop and to come to Christ, for he is calling you now. Choose to bear fruit for eternity, because Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be his friends into eternity. This is what truly connectedness really looks like. One that keeps eternity in central focus. One that is truly connected to Christ. Let me pray. Our loving Father, our hearts are breaking as we see the world as it's suffering so much right now. And we pray at this time that you would be drawing people to think about eternity and think about how it is that in this time of crisis they might find Christ. And we pray for all of us that we might not waste this pandemic, that in this time of lockdown and, and physical isolation, that we would maintain social connectedness in every way we can so that we might share the love of Christ. And Father, for those who are not connected to Jesus yet, may this be even now, tonight, the night when they choose to trust in Jesus as Lord, to turn their backs on their life past and to fall at the feet of the one whose love led him to the cross, in whose name we pray.